Hello and good morning. Oh, let's just take a moment, shall we, just to enjoy the peace of God. I think sometimes we're so busy rushing that we forget that he delights in us. He really rejoices us. So let's just welcome him here. Father, we're so thankful for everything that we've already encountered of you this morning. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have to gather in this country as brothers and sisters to lift up your name. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you delight in us, that you, you've sent your peace to us. Lord, your presence dwells in us. Father, thank you so much. So, this morning we're going to continue our Life to the Full series by taking a look at friendships. And you might be thinking, oh, well, this is, this is going to be really easy. I already know all about those. I have more than 500 friends on Facebook. I don't, by the way. But if you do, congratulations. Um, I'm going to resist the urge to just talk with great enthusiasm and excitement about my own experiences and bromances. Um, but, you know, the more I've explored this subject, I've realized that my experiences, even my expectations, fall a long way short of what the Bible teaches us on friendship. Um, you see, friendship is anything but easy. It does not happen unless we work at it. And as we look at this together, you may begin to realize the same for yourself. Uh, we live in a time when technology connects us in new and wonderful ways, uh, new ways every single day. Social media has made it possible to um, broadcast snippets of our lives to a truly global audience Skype and FaceTime, wonderful tools. They make it possible to literally see our friends. In fact, lots of what Simon and I do together is over FaceTime and Skype. Um, here in the UK, we're very privileged that most of our phone contracts will include unlimited minutes and unlimited text. Do you know, being connected, communicating, has never been easier or more available than in any time in history before us. We've never been more connected, yet my observation, even my experience, and what the evidence would suggest is that actually, do you know, we've never been more alone. In 2004, an American study revealed that close friendships had fallen by a third. That's one in three. This row here has three people on it. Just chop the person off the end. That's you, Raj. Okay. That's a third less friendships. That's a third less friendships even started. And that was 14 years ago. Do you know, 14 years ago, social media was only just starting. Who remembers MySpace? 14 years ago, um, smartphones weren't readily available. The iPhone hadn't been invented, much to the shock of my oldest daughter. And why is that? You see, imagine if we took that same survey today. What would the results be like today? Um, and so we've never been more connected, and yet so many people are experiencing loneliness out in the world right here in the church. People are lonely. Why? And real friendship, you see, is about more than acquaintances. It's even more than fellowship. It's more than the number of likes you have on Facebook. Who else, you know, checks back just to see how many they got? Close friendship is about heart connections. It's about a mutual journey and shared burdens. It's about knowing and being known. They go hand to hand in partnership. And, you know, I've actually been really amazed in recent years by people's response to friendship. They're hungry to be known, believe it or not, despite what we hear in the media, despite what our culture has taught us, despite what being British is all about, people actually really want to be known. Um, and they'll do amazing things like go on walks on New Year's Day. They'll come round and watch a movie. They'll do all sorts of things just because they want to share life. And just as that's been my experience, 
They don't realize it yet, but just like us, they need caring friends and they need Jesus Christ. So, why is everyone so lonely when we're so connected, when we're so empowered? So, what really is friendship all about? And that's what we're going to be exploring this morning. First, let's take a look at who we're describing as friends. In the Bible, we see that Jesus had different kinds of friends, many of them. He referred to all of his disciples as friends. And yet in John, he had a best friend. And in Peter, James, and John, he had close friends. So even Jesus had different kinds of friends. And predominantly, what we're talking about this morning is we're going to be describing close friends. Um, The kind that are there for you in a crisis. The kind Neville and Andy who come round the day after you fall off your bike to bring you snacks, probably because they feel slightly guilty that they left you by the side of the road. Um, (laughs) However, in the same way as Jesus was friendly to all, so should we be friendly to all people, no matter where they fit on our scale of friendship. You know, let's not go around proverbially unfriending people. In fact, the Bible raises the bar even further and suggests that we should love even our enemies. It's quite strong, isn't it? We wouldn't really talk about having an enemy or a rival or an arch enemy anymore. But the Bible tells us to love even those people, which means really it's everyone. So we should really be friendly to everyone that we meet. Because, you know, Jesus did say, love your neighbor. And what does that look like if it's not friendship? And what is friendship about if it's not loving your neighbor? So we're going to look at friendship itself. What does it look like? Why is it helpful? And what does the Bible tell us about it? So I've actually got four points this morning. I know that's breaking from Jubilee tradition. But the first thing we're going to look at is the necessity of friendship, followed by the fabric of friendship. I couldn't think of anything clever to call that one. The challenge of being a good friend, and then the perfect friend himself. So starting off, the necessity of friendship. I believe that friendship is a gift from God. It's, it's what you might call a common grace, just like marriages, just like um, uh, parenting. Uh, it's one of God's graces that he shares with the whole world, but that we as the church those that know him, we get to experience a deeper understanding of those things. Uh, And friendship is just like that. It's available for the whole world. Everyone, hopefully, experiences some level of friendship. But we, as the children of God, get to understand something that's, that's greater about friendship. It gives us a glimpse of who Jesus is. It raises our expectation, if you like, of of what it should be and how we should operate as friends. And so with that in mind, it's important that we apply our understanding of Scripture to our daily experiences and not the other way around. We're not trying to define God by our ideas and understanding, but instead we're trying to define and bring meaning to our life from what Jesus and God reveal in Scripture. It's about reframing our understandings in the light of his truth. And I'm very pleased to hear Holly sharing this verse. I find it's helpful to start with Genesis. You see, right at the beginning, God was laying down, if you like, his foundations for Christian living, and that includes friendship. It starts in verse 27 of chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image, In the image of God, he created them. Both male and female, he created them. So that means that we, all of us, have been made in his image. Which means that if you want to catch a glimpse of what God's like, look around you. Look around you. God is in each of us. We are made in his image, in his likeness, both male and female, We've been made in the image of God, and yet we're all so different. How could that be? Do you know, even in our differences, could there be secrets about God that we can learn in how different we all are? Does it actually show us 
just how diverse he might be. And in that context of knowing that we are all in the image of God, who wouldn't want to get to know more people? Even the weird ones like me and you. And, you know, Genesis reveals to us even more than that. You see, let's ask the question, who was Adam's first friend? You, you might say Eve. Actually, no, do you know what? Adam's first friend was God. They walked together in the garden. Side by side, they walked, they shared everything together. They were friends first before anyone else came into the picture. But even in that perfect union, God declared that it's not good for man to be alone. We need more. And conventionally, we always apply this scripture to marriage. And it's right that we do. That is a right application of this, of this passage. But it also stands on its own as a statement for all of humanity. It's not good for us to be alone. We have been created for friendship. But the biblical foundation for friendship is so much greater than just a cure for loneliness. Genuine friendship is so much more than that. Friendship helps me to grow. Friendship reveals more to me about God. Friendship allows me to serve others, to share their burdens, and in turn, to have my burdens shared. Friendship allows me to know and be known. Friendship shapes me and molds me. Friendship influences my life. Friendships share passions. They share joy and they share heartache. They're terrifying. Hebrews 10, one of Raj's favorite things to share to us, says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Such truth there. Such encouragement to us to continue meeting together, even when it's difficult. And for those of you dismissing friendships as just the cure of the lonely or the exuberant indulgence of the hippie types, Vaughan Roberts in his book, True Friendship, explains that meaningful friendships actually enrich our marriages. They enrich who we are as parents, who we are as children, who we are as Christians, who we are as workers. Every area of our life is impacted by a good friendship. There's not a person in the room here that can dis dismiss this and say, I don't need friendships. I don't need to befriend someone. And furthermore, he goes on to suggest that the co close companionship of Christian friendship can exceed that of even biological family. That reframes for us, doesn't it, some of our biases of what we hold as true value. You see, here in the church, we ex can experience family that exceeds the limits of just my marriage and my children, just the four of us, the mini mords. Family is more than that. Our family is made up of friends, friends who welcome us into their lives and friends we welcome into ours. We're so privileged to be here as a church, as Jubilee, where Christmas Day is an opportunity to open our doors and say, come in. We've seen that modelled throughout Jubilee over the years. In fact, over many, many years. Over 10 years, over 14 years, we've seen that. We've been the recipients of that when others have invited us to share Christmas with them. And we too have shared in that as we invite those to join us. Thank you, Jubilee, for showing us that family includes friendship and an open door. Ed Shaw, author of the book, uh, The Plausibility Problem, said that, says that in friendship, God eases the burden of celibacy, of singleness. Great talk, by the way, by Rob and Lou on singleness. I really encourage you to have a listen. Uh, but, but he says, God eases the burden of separation, of grieving, of even death. You see, in friendship, we find something much more than just the nuclear family. Sometimes friendship is as simple as, come on this journey with us. Let's go there together. Sounds really good, doesn't it? And I haven't even scratched the surface. The Bible has a wealth of examples for us 
on being a good friend and on the value of friendship. Just take a look at the stories of, of David and Jonathan uh, in the Old Testament, Elizabeth and Mary in the New Testament, and Jesus himself with John. The Bible offers a wealth of examples. And it paints a picture for us that friendship is absolutely necessary. That friendship is about being a friend and a friend who cares, a friend who serves. It's about sacrifice. You see, you want good friendships? Be a good friend. And wherever you are on life's journey, let me invite you to explore friendship, not as the destination, but as part of the journey. It really makes life more, more fun. There can be, you know, even, even some of the most dull things can be really exciting when you do them with a good friend. Like putting together a, a, a trampoline or plumbing in a dishwasher. You know, some of these things are really exciting. I enjoy them because I'm doing them with a friend. And that might sound horrible to you. You might think, ah! But the, the, the key there, the secret, is friendship, companionship. It's about a shared experience. So, Point number two, the fabric of friendship. So if friendship is so good, why is it so hard? Why do we have a third less friends? And in a nutshell, the problem is our fallen world. At its core, it's sin. It's always sin that gets in the way. And sin causes us to be selfish and ashamed. You remember in the garden, after eating the apple, Adam and Eve felt shame. To actually find that word, you need to be looking at the New Living Translation, by the way, in case you're all looking, where's the word shame in that passage? Um, and because of that shame, they hid. And so often, do we do that with one another? Are we, can we be found hiding or not found, as the case may be? See, great friendships require for us to be great friends. And as we're going to get to discover, as we look into this further, that requires transparency. Even when we want to hide in our little castle. Because being a good friend is hard. It's really hard. And that's why this, this talk isn't filled with stories of, of my great friendships. Because you know what? I'm a broken friend. I'm not a very good friend. I'm on a journey of discovering how to be a better friend how to see Jesus every day in every choice that I make. Friendship, it's not really something that I pick and choose as I feel. We're either in or we're out. And sometimes, you see, our, our culture can blind us to the true reality of friendship. It can, it can offer alternatives. It can offer us uh, false truths, if you like, and it can confuse us and... and, and uh, devalue what God has intended for us. And so it's really important that we come to understand how culture lets us down. So we're going to take just a few moments to make some observations about friendship that we can draw from Scripture. And possibly the first observation to make is that friendship is different from fellowship. It's good for us to fellowship together as a church in different settings. But we shouldn't imagine that we can be close friends with everyone. We only have a limited amount of time and energy. And I'd argue that um, if you're friends with everyone a little, but with no one a lot, you're possibly missing out on something. You see, Tim Keller points out that close friendships can be so consuming that each of us only has capacity for a few at any one time. So, do you know what? Relax. The reason I'm saying this is relax. It's okay. Be released. You don't need to be close friends with everyone. But I would ask you this. Who are your close friends? Another observation to make is that friendships are not exclusive. Friends will always make room for others, for new friends. And we need to be really cautious of expectations of friendship that are about ex exclusivity. Just me and you. Friends help each other. And the challenge here, the biggest hurdle can often be being able to help is about the willingness to accept help. 
Uh, it might sound silly, but sometimes people need to be persuaded to accept help. And sometimes, you know, in this scenario, we need to be the first one to be vulnerable in a friendship. They're quickly found when you discover something mutual that you share, a a mutual interest perhaps, a mutual passion, uh, or even a shared experience that you have. But you know what? The foundation of friendship is built upon when you begin to share life and go a bit deeper. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, he explains that whilst lovers sit opposite, gazing at one another, consumed by their love for each other, that friends sit side by side, focused on their mutual interest. The words he, he uses actually are friends sit shoulder to shoulder, which is about the essence of sharing burdens together. You know, friendship is reciprocated. They're mutual. There is a balance of give and take. Each friend is of equal value. A friendship that is one-sided, do you know what? It probably needs to be reconsidered. That's not to say that our friendships, um, there won't be different roles to play. Often there are. It's not to suggest that we're all the same. In fact, the best friendships are made up of individuals who aren't the same at all, but each one different. And we should be aware of our differences in our personalities, in our characters, in our skill sets, in who we are, in how God made us. But we should not be limited by them. So often we talk about difference as a reason to exclude, and yet difference should be a reason to include. We shouldn't measure friendship through our own perception of affection uh, either. Do you know what? These are some of the lessons I've had to learn um, in my life. They've been difficult. They've been painful. But you know what? Let's not frame our understanding of friendship by our own needs. We only have to look at the different ways we all greet one another to be aware of how different we all are. I, I like to think that I'm a bit of a connoisseur of the hug. There are so many different kinds of hug that exist. Are you aware of this? You know, you can collect them all. Um, <laughs> he's moving away, you see. Raj does not like to be hugged. You can chase him around a room, actually, trying to hug him. You know, there's, there's all different kinds. There's the Iranian hug, the passionate embrace, the squeeze. That must include at least a minimum of three kisses. Uh, there's the, the, the guy hug, you know, the kind of put your shoulder together, maybe pat on the back. Uh, you know, there's so many different kinds of hugs. I've, I've cut examples out because whilst I desperately want to be funny so that you all like me, we're going to talk about what God says friendship is about. But did you know some weirdos, when they hug, they go right. <laughs> Who goes right? Have you ever realized this? Everyone goes left when you hug. Although I did find a picture of Donald Trump going right. Um, but anyway... But our differences, you see, they actually complement each other, if we'll allow them to. And what we need to do is, instead of allowing our differences to create distance between us, we should ask God to reveal to us how we can celebrate our differences and how we can complement one another, just as how diverse he is in who he's made all of us. How can we celebrate that? What does it reveal to us about who God is? Another thing we need to be aware of is that our friendship should be full of integrity. Jesus lives in us, and so we should be set apart in the the way that we live. I'm not saying this to, to condemn anyone, but simply to highlight our very need for Jesus in everything that we do. We should not leave our faith at the door when it comes to our friendships. Holiness, purity, righteousness... These all belong at the very foundation of our lives, and that includes our friendships. And we must be very aware of the pressures and expectations and the demands that our modern world is placing on friendship that God never intended to be there. We must have real integrity in this area of our life. And do you know what? A good friendship 
can actually help us in this area. It can help hold us accountable and set down examples of integrity for us. For better or for worse, do you know our friends will influence us? You might not believe me, uh, but just take a moment one time. I know this might not be for everyone, but just go and sit in a McDonald's and just watch the people who come in. And uh, you'll observe countless groups of identical-looking teenagers, all with the same matching haircut, uh, the same outfit, the same accessories. Uh, they probably even have the same vocabulary and swagger. Of course, from their perspective, they're all unique. Uh, but from the outside looking in, it's really hard to distinguish one of them from another. Uh, and it's a silly example, uh, but it really highlights for us how our friends can influence us. Suddenly, we're concerned with the things that concern them. We learn to think like each other, uh, behave like each other, even dream like each other. Uh, you know, I'm always, I'm always amused to hear when um, uh, a friend, you know, probably making fun of me, but they said, you know, I thought, what would Matty do? Because it amuses me, because I'm probably there thinking, what would they do? What would Simon do? What would Raj do? What would Gavin do? What would Andy do? Andy would just make fun of you. Um, but, you know, it's those moments when actually suddenly you realize, do you know what? I've become a little bit more like my friend, or they've become a little bit more like me. And actually, I've grown in this experience that we share together. And I really have. You know, you can, you can literally plot it over the years, how I have grown as a person as a result of the examples friends have, have, have laid for me. And you know what? But just as that influence can be really good, it can be really bad. And that's why we should take great care to choose our friends. Um, because a, a friend can provide great advice, but they can also provide bad advice. The Bible suggests that the counsel of a friend is a form of wisdom. And Proverbs is full of examples like this. But perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friends springs from his earnest counsel. That's really encouraging because, you know what, we don't have to work life out on our own. It's very complex. It's very complicated. It's always challenging. It's always changing. But you know what? We can phone a friend. Friends can share in their experiences, and we might be able to learn something. You know, our friends have been incredibly influential for, to Miriam and I in how we parent. They've actually been influential in our marriage how we care for one another, how we value things like, you know, taking a little bit of time out, actually going out on a date when we might feel tired, exhausted, when we don't have a babysitter, blah, 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 blah. all the excuses all of us can come up with. But you know what? The examples that our friends set encourage us to make good choices. And... You know, cast your memory back to when you were a child living in your parents' home for a moment. Because our friends are in a unique position to share with us some of the things that we cannot hear from certain people. Often our parents, I, I remember not fondly, um, the, the many encounters with my parents to then go around the, around the corner to a friend's house, have them say the same thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Do you know what? Sometimes it's even our spouse that we can't hear it from. But a friend is in a unique position to share truth with us and will actually listen. We need friends in our lives. And we must be aware of that dynamic uh, component of friendship. We should be open to listening, but we should also be open to sharing. Young people, I'd ask you this question. In fact, to all of us, are you forming friendships with people who are wiser than yourself? Um, Age does not always equal wisdom, just to point it out to the, you know, look at Jonathan Knight, for example. Very, very old. Uh, no, he is a great source of counsel and wisdom. Uh, but you know what? Also, families, are you welcoming young people into your home so that you can both share wisdom with them, but so that they can be role models for your children? This is really, really um, important as a parent. We need to think through who are the role models that our children are going to go to 
when we'd like them to receive good counsel in their life. And this part of friendship is so valuable. And we see that clearly laid out in the book of Proverbs. And it's full of advice. And it seems that friendship is at the core of a lot of the lessons that it wants to impart. Um, I'll just cover just a very few of them very quickly for you now. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This one's good. It's a bit of an eye-opener for me. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and he will hate you. <laughs> like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. You know, that one's, that one's really quite important for us because we live in a culture of mockery and pranks. And we just say, oh, joking, joking, it's okay, I was just joking. But we need to be really careful because are we at the risk of being mean and hurtful under the cloak of a joke? Another one, if a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. That's actually about understanding each other. It's about knowing one another uh, in terms of their personality and their character and being in a position where you can bless your friend rather than be a curse to them. Understanding what's going on in their life right now at this moment. What is it that might be consuming them, that might be filling them with stress? Are you going to add to that stress and burden or are you going to help them with it? But it's quite funny as well. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That one can be painful at times, but it's so valuable. Sometimes I think we need to be the courage to go back to the friend that, that provoked us and say, do you know what, thank you. It might have taken me a week, four weeks, five months, six years to realize, but do you know what, sometimes our friends actually provoke us to change and share with us truth. He who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. Let you think about that one. So, my next point, the challenge of being a good friend. And it really is a challenge, actually. Um, many authors and commentators have talked about the foundation that the book of Proverbs lays for friendship. In fact, uh, other books of the Bible as well. In Vaughan Roberts' uh, book, it's a great book, by the way, I highly recommend uh, you, you grab it and read it. It's very short, even I can read it. Um, but he suggests that there are these six foundations for friendship that we can find in the Bible. And the first one is that friendship is crucial. It's absolutely ne necessary. We've, we've talked about that already. It's close. It's not superficial. Um, conversations with my children about the playground, and they talk about, um, you know, fair-weather friends, which are those people that are there when everything's okay and good, and, and that's not the kind of friend that we're talking about is a close friend. We're talking about a friend that even when there's something more appealing to do, or even when things aren't going well, they're still there by your side. It's a friend who's constant. They're there in the good, the bad, and the everyday. It's candid. Now, that's an unusual word that we don't use it very often, but basically it means they tell the truth even when it hurts. It's careful. Truth and careful hand, hand in hand, which means basically they're not going to just liberally wound you unnecessarily. And real friendship is Christ-centered. Has anyone been feeling overwhelmed a little? I know that I have. And this is elaborated on much further in the book of Galatians. Galatians 6 uh, is a little bit of a study on friendship, as it were. Uh, and it, it, it reads this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. 
carry each other's burdens. And this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. And, you know, there's so much that we can take from this scripture alone. We could teach a mini-series on friendship. And you know what? I'd love to, but that's not today. And whilst the word friend isn't actually used here, it's describing the attributes of friendship for us, many of them. But specifically, we're going to look at the attributes of being alongside one another and of being close to one another. So we'll start with with being alongside each other. This is the idea that friends are always there for each other. In verse 2 it says to carry each other's burdens. Now let's think that through. Practically how would that work? How would I help carry a friend's burden? You know you've got to get right alongside them. Close enough that it's slightly awkward. And physically take some of the weight of their burden doesn't sound like fun, does it? In fact, if that friend is a mess right now, there's about a million things I'd rather be doing. It can be exhausting. If you're the friend who's listening for the third or fourth, maybe fifth time to their troubles, it can be really draining on you. But to the person that's being hurt, to the person whose burden you're helping to carry, they feel relieved. They feel affirmed. They feel like they're not alone. And that sense of encouragement that can be found when a friend comes alongside and says, how can I help? And often it's as simple as, how can I help? No, it's really not a hard thing for us to say to one another. Do you know, or or maybe, do you know what? You just have to listen. I've found so often that people often don't want you to fix their problems. They just like to share them with you. But it can't be fully understood the value of what this is like until you've experienced it. And it's really, really precious. Um, And I I hope for each of you that you all know someone who is great at listening. Every now and again, I've considered actually, you know, rewarding people each year for, you know, best conversationalist of the year or best listener of the year. You know, it's silly and I won't ever do that, don't worry. But, you know, do you know who the people are that you love to have a conversation with? That You know, if you went to them, they're going to listen to you wholeheartedly, not distracted by their phone. I pray that we all become better listeners. When we bear another's burden, we suffer alongside our friend. And that comes at a cost. That's what suffering is. So if that friend has a financial burden, do you know what? It's going to physically cost you. Because to share in their burden is to reach into your resources and give them in support of your friend. Whether that resource is time, it's your emotions, or it's your finances. Hold on. This is not very British. You might be thinking, did Matthew really say that we should give money to our friends? I couldn't possibly. That's just not what we do here in the UK. But you know what? If their burden is financial, yes, absolutely yes. In Acts 2.42, it says that they shared everything. Which means also that we need to train ourselves to be good receivers of gifts. If we're going to be those that share and give, we need to learn to receive. Particularly, our British culture teaches us to downplay our needs and to reject a gift. But you know what? How ridiculous is that, guys? That gift is God's provision for you and you're going to reject it under some false pretense of being polite or British. Let's be aware of the role our friends play in God's provision in our lives to answer our needs. Because, you know, our needs aren't all financial. We have many, many different kinds of needs and we can find them in Christ Jesus and he expresses them here on earth through friendship. Friendship is costly. You might not be able to afford it. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry, I just can't afford to help that person right now. Um, And you know what? Do you know what? Suffering 
is uncomfortable. And it wouldn't be sharing in their suffering if we didn't suffer alongside them a little bit. And if you're not willing to get close enough to suffer alongside your friend, Tim Keller says that you're not a friend at all. You're just an acquaintance. That's eye-opening, isn't it? That's what gets me right here, you know? How many people am I just an acquaintance to? It's challenging. But you know what? We don't have to be close friends with everyone. Let me release some of the burden from you. But close friendship does include a portion of suffering. And the other thing that we see from that Galatians passage is that it's about being close, or what Vaughan Roberts referred to as the candid and the careful parts. Verse 1 says, If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Let me just clarify for you. This is not going around pointing out everything a friend is doing wrong. You missed a bit. Uh, don't trip over that. Uh, you, you didn't put an I on that. You didn't dot that I or cross that T. Do you know that's not loving? It's not gracious. Uh, and as Jesus said, do you know what? First remove the plank from your own eye. Uh, and do you know what? I'd add there, do you know what? First be aware of how many times people ex- extend grace and mercy to you. How many times have I made mistakes that people haven't pointed out? Let's have that in mind as we interact with others. But the kind of person that, uh, that Galatians is talking about here is what Don would say uh, is someone who's stuck on the merry-go-round. They're caught in sin, either something that they're unaware of or something that they don't seem to be able to break out of. It's, it's causing destruction in their life. And if that's the case, a friend should restore them gently. And remember that the Bible teaches us that love covers a multitude of sins. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So actually, let's be gentle. Be forgiving. This is about restoration, not retribution. This is the moment when you perhaps quietly come alongside your friend and say, do you know what, mate? I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, but I think you might have a hygiene problem. Uh, or, don't worry, don't worry, that one's a joke. Uh, it is a true story, but it's mostly here to make you all laugh, but you didn't, that's okay. Uh, but you know what, maybe true friendship is coming alongside a friend and say, did you know that actually you, when you get defensive like that, it pushes people away? Uh, or maybe it's to say, I notice that you're struggling with this. Can we help in any way? And these things are often done privately. They're not done from the front of church. You know, it's not like picking on Andy and say, stop picking your nose, uh, which I just did deliberately. Um, But do you know what? The candid part is being bold enough to tell your friend the truth. But the careful part is only doing it when it's necessary. Not doing it for my pleasure, but doing it lovingly because it's for their good. Um... A true friend does not avoid that confrontation, but a true friend really doesn't enjoy it. Proverbs says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And this is really, really scary. Really scary, in fact. It's scary because it might not work when you sit down with that friend and you say, Did you know what? You're being a bit defensive there. Because you know what? The outcome might be that you lose that friendship. But the scarier part is not that you lose the friendship. The scarier part is if you do that for a friend, a friend might do that for you. It requires that we open our doors and allow our friend to speak truth into our life. And that just might be worse. When we're not prepared to confront a friend when it's necessary, what we're doing is we're actually saying that we care more about ourselves and how awkward this may be than we do about them and how this might help them. And the, de- the delicate balance is, is not to be tempted to think that we're better than them or better than that we are. 
If we approach this with any sense of superiority, do you know what? The, normally, the outcome is that we are not gentle at all. We're not kind, we're not loving. Actually, do you know what? Sometimes we can come across as abrasive and judgmental, and that does not help anyone. Remember, first take the plank out of your own eye. The difficult part, and believe me, there are so many difficult parts, is checking our own heart first. The reason friendship is so difficult is because to be a good friend is to know what suffering is. It's to come alongside and really share a burden without any judgment, only with love. And the bit that's going to cause us to stumble time and time again is to actually be willing to be transparent with one another. To let a friend see me for who I am. All of my vulnerabilities, all of my faults, all of my insecurities, perhaps even my guilt and my shame. To see the real part of me behind the bravado, the jokes, the eccentricities. To actually allow another to see the delicate parts, maybe the ugly parts, but you know what? The beautiful parts. Because we're made in God's image. We don't have to hide anymore. And that's why it's so hard to be a good friend and why good friendships are so rare. Because we're all secretly hiding a little bit of ourselves. But the good news is we have an example in a perfect friend. Perhaps uh, you actually find friendship difficult, the kind of friendship that we're talking about. I know I do. Um, Maybe uh, one of the burdens that you're uh, carrying is some of your guilt and shame. You know, we can all relate to that. We can all be a bit like Adam and Eve, that sometimes we want to hide rather than be seen. Uh, Maybe your situation is entirely different. Maybe you've had great friends in the the past, but for one reason or or another, they're not around anymore. Uh, Maybe um, you know that you haven't been a good friend. Maybe there are people in the room that you need to go and, and say sorry to. Perhaps circumstances have dealt you a cruel hand and they've knocked you down and they've left you alone and you really don't know how to get back up again. There are lots of reasons that we can find friendship difficult. But the good news for, us, for all of us is that in Christ Jesus we've found the very best friend. Because he didn't only share our burdens, he actually took it all on the cross for us. He took them away. He suffered everything. And I mean horrible, horrible suffering that we can't even begin to imagine. And he suffered that so that we didn't have to. Just as God clothed Adam and Eve in the garden when they felt naked and ashamed, Jesus Christ has clothed us, not with physical clothes, but with righteousness so that we don't have to hide from our guilt and shame. But better than just righteousness, he's actually taken away our sin. He's given us new life. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit who's here with us every day, helping us to be ever-changed, ever more like him. The Holy Spirit actually helps us to obey Jesus, obey his commands, help us to follow him. You know, one of those commands is love your neighbor, as we talked about, but it's also make disciples of all men. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is right here with us, and his forgiveness is available to all of us. And the wonderful thing is that just as we experience transformational grace through a friendship with Jesus, through friendship with others, we can share Jesus with them. Our friendships are a vehicle for loving one another. Our friendships are a vehicle for making disciples. If love and discipleship don't point to Jesus, um, they're not really either of those things. Friendship is actually about Jesus, and we kid ourselves that it's not. As Christians, the Bible tells us that Jesus dwells right here in us, which means that actually um, he's, he's with me when I go and make a new friend. I carry him with me. When we choose to befriend someone, we're providing the opportunity for them to encounter Jesus. Not because we're going to preach at them, uh, although the Bible does say be ready for that if an opportunity arises. Uh, But that's not the purpose. That's not the goal. We're not talking about friendship as a project here. We're talking about friendship 
It's about loving them as Christ Jesus has loved us. Uh, And that's really one of the things that I'd like for you to take away from today. In fact, probably two things, because it it requires that we, we know what it is to trust God and ask him to pour out his love on us. Uh, such gracious love, such liberal uh, and generous love, that actually, do you know what, it spills out from us onto all of those around us. But also that we would be deliberate and intentional in our friendships. And that takes time. It really does. So we need to set aside time to make friends, to grow in our friendships. Uh, It's not easy. It will come at a time that's not convenient for you, at a time when you feel tired or slightly grumpy uh, or you've got a headache because you've been staring at a computer screen for 10 hours or however long it is. You know, it's not going to be easy. It will require sacrifice. But you know what, guys? It's so worth it because friendships are not one-sided. They're mutually beneficial. It's good for us. It's good for you. But you know what? It's part of God's plan for your life. Um, so don't wait. Don't, don't put it off for tomorrow. Seize the day because um, through friendship, it's part of God's grace for your life to learn and grow to be a bit more like him. If the band uh, could come up, please. Um, and I'd also like to ask the ministry time, team uh, to get ready because, you know, if you feel in any way at all um, that maybe your guilt and shame or maybe your insecurities or or anything else for that matter stands in the way of you being a good friend this morning, um, I'd love for you to come and receive prayer. Uh, If if you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about, who is the perfect friend, who can wash away guilt and shame, who who can clothe you in righteousness, then actually, do you know what? We'd love for you to, 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 to meet him and to find out who he is. So please take this opportunity to come and speak to someone, maybe the person who, who you come with, maybe uh, one of the ministry team, maybe one of the leaders. But you know what? Don't miss this opportunity. We would love to pray with you for you to meet uh, Jesus this morning. Maybe you'd like to be better at loving your neighbor and you need a little bit of help. Do you know what? I need a little bit of help in that too. Then, then please stand up, uh, ask someone to pray with you. Uh, let's take this opportunity uh, to um, receive Jesus and ask that his love be, be demonstrated through our lives. Maybe you want to take the opportunity to pray for some of your friends um, that they might come to know Jesus. And that, that's great too. So why don't you gather together? Maybe there are people in the room that share that friendship Gather around. Let's pray for our friends. Um, Or maybe, do you know what? Maybe there are people in the room that need to go and say sorry or be reconciled with one another. Please take this opportunity. Uh, Don't delay on this one, but please take the opportunity. And perhaps you just need to be refreshed this morning. You know, there there shouldn't be a person in the room who doesn't need to respond uh, to this message because, do you know what? Maybe we just need to say, Lord Jesus, I find this difficult. Please come and come and give me some of your strength. Come and give me some of your joy. I'd like to have a fresh encounter with you and your Holy Spirit this morning. So don't, don't miss this opportunity. Uh, let's respond now to this invitation to be a friend uh, of Jesus's and a friend of sinners to those around us. So let's stand up. Let's respond. Uh, do take the opportunity if you want to pray with someone uh, to go... Uh, to the ministry team or pray with one another as you are Um, these guys are just going to play but this is an opportunity now for us to uh, receive Jesus so let's just